icing on the cake. So for me, it was like just the dinosaurs and like action scenes and stuff like that over and over and over until I finally like kind of grew out of it until I had a kid again. And then <laughs> we're uh, back on the Jurassic well, yeah, Park now with the new ones, you get to kind of, you know, kind of history repeats itself. You kind of get to do it again with your kid. That's kind of nice. Yeah, and there's like the whole mini series now that Steven Spielberg produces, the uh, Camp Cretaceous show, which is like it's kind of like expanded lore, kind of like the Clone Wars is for Star Wars. They have that now for mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, so I'm able to watch that with him. And I'm like, man, if this would have came out when I was a kid, I would love this. So, and he's super into dinosaurs. Like, we got dinosaurs everywhere. <laughs> so yeah with like the sixth movie coming out i'm super pumped for that and it's just it's just kind of been this thing where it's like we're able to bond over that right so that's amazing and did you um or sorry did you do you do you still find yourself leaning towards the the i'll say the first two but i guess the third one as well but does it still hold up to you because i've always found that you can, if you want to be like a dick and nitpick, you could be like, oh yeah, like early 90s CGI doesn't look that great. But like, I think some sequences in Jurassic Park, and I think what Spielberg did the best was he meshed practical with, with CGI. He, it wasn't just all CGI. But some of the CGI in the original Jurassic Park, I think still holds up really good. Like it's not your typical, oh yeah, it's dated. And like, there's some really, 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 really good stuff in it. So my, my question is, do you still do you like the overuse of CGI in the newer ones, or I'm assuming you still lean towards the the classics? Yeah, and actually, if you look into it, a lot of the newer ones aren't crazy CGI too. Like the main dinosaurs that that are the antagonist dinosaurs, yes, they're pretty CG, but a lot of the other ones there's there's a lot of practical effects in the new ones still. Like that whole scene where Chris Pratt is in the um, is in like the storage container with the T Rex. That's an animatronic T Rex, right? Like all of that oh. yeah it's all like they, they try to do as much as they can like that's the thing with Colin Trevorrow who's the director of some of the new ones and the producer he tries to like blend the same way Spielberg did blend the, the physical with the CGI and I think in that case it is gonna st- it's gonna hold up like even Jurassic World came out six years ago now and the CGI and that still looks amazing so mm-hmm. I think that yeah like you can nitpick about the early stuff and the CG and that but I mean, the T-Rex breakout scene still looks like basically real. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, my God. It's insane. It's incredible. It, it, the, it, the advantage is that it was shot at night. They lit it well. They had a great cinematographer. Uh, but, um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, we – okay, we <laughs> got to introduce this episode. Um, so, as you guys can tell, we are talking Jurassic Park, but mainly we are going to be talking about uh, – Steven Spielberg, if you didn't read the description of this episode, happy birthday, happy birthday. to Mr. Steven Spielberg. Uh, he's turning uh, 75 years old. Let, let's got to let that sink in. Steven Spielberg is turning 75 years old. Like, it, it blows my mind. So I thought of this. I'm like, okay, we've talked about Steven Spielberg before, but one person that we haven't got uh, their thoughts from on Steven Spielberg is one of our guests here, uh, Mr. Jake Eagle. How you doing today, Jake? Hey, I'm doing well, Galloway. How are you? Good. Well, I mean, like we got West Side Story coming out, and like it's actually out right now. Uh, but um, I'm like, how can we not celebrate a little bit and talk about Steven Spielberg? And I remember you mentioning I, in one of our many conversations about how much he has influenced you. So I'm like, okay, if, you know, if, if I can get Jake on here, maybe we can talk a little Steven Spielberg. Not too long. I know we've talked about Jaws. 
But there's so many movies to talk about. Like, I think we even decided we're not going to talk about Jaws. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that deserves three hours by itself. Each movie deserves its own episode. So we're going to do our best to jam-pack what we can here and just talk a little more about how we've reacted to his films growing up. Jake and I are the same age. We were born in uh, the early 90s. Probably, I guess I can start here. When would you say was Steven Spielberg's prime? Because you can make an argument for the 90s and you can make the argument for the 80s, obviously. What would you think? For me, I mean, I'm a little biased because obviously the 80s, like those movies kind of were before my time in some ways. But so I would say the 90s. I mean, if you look at pretty much every movie he did in the 90s, like they're all classics. Uh, (laughs) One way or the other. Like even Hook, even Hook, right? Like growing up with Hook, that was huge. Like, I don't know if you... This is what I think, and I, I'm sure you might feel a little bit the same growing up the same year as me, but uh, when I think of like the movies in the 90s, I think of Tom Hanks, I think of Robin Williams, and I think of Steven Spielberg. I don't know about you. I uh, totally agree. Now, I was going to bring this up to during this episode. I love Steven Spielberg. He's my favorite filmmaker, but I don't have the nostalgia I should have. I didn't like I, he didn't direct the Goonies, but he was a, he played a big part of the Goonies, Gremlins, like though I mean that's what I mean. He, he's got an amazing filmography just for what he's produced and helped create. Not even the movies he directed, but I don't have that. I I came to Indiana Jones late. I came to Jurassic Park late. The the first Steven Spielberg movie I saw was Jaws, and I was a kid and I was terrified. And I, I don't know if Jaws is the best introduction to him. I think it'd be like it's fine. Like it's a great movie. I think it's phenomenal, but. I think the best road, I think you went on it where you're introduced to his family fun films and then you kind of can fill in the gaps from there. I don't have that. I love him, but I, I it came in later in my life. Like, I, I, I wish I saw Jurassic Park when I was four or five. How old were you when you saw Jurassic Park? Yeah, probably four or five, something like that. And then In the this, theater? Um, no, not in the theater, but on, okay. v, on VHS, like I... I distinctly remember having all the VHS tapes and just like running through all the tape on that one <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the sequel, like the sequel. It was like, I remember the first thing I ever like really remember asking for, for Christmas was, um, the like Raptor dolls from the, the second movie with the, the, um, the vehicles that caught the dinosaurs on that big chase scene and stuff like that. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And it was like the most excited I ever was for a Christmas gift was getting that stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> I distinctly remember that time. So I don't know if the answer is is Jurassic Park, but do you remember the first Steven Spielberg movie that you saw, or one of the first? I know it's hard. We're we're going back thirty years now, but um, yeah. Did you remember your your introduction to him? Something early on? Yeah, I think it probably was Hook. To be honest. Oh, okay. I think that I probably watched Hook at like two or three years old. Um, and I remember, like, I would go to my dad's for the weekend, and he, he didn't have a huge VHS collection, but one of the movies that he had and that I could also agree with my brother on was Hook. So we would watch it all the time, and it's, I think it still holds up. Like, it's it's awesome. Now, so that was, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, <laughs> um, I was just going to say, when you, when I, when I say Steven Spielberg, what is the first thing that comes to mind? What do you think of if I or if you were at some event or something and, and Steven Spielberg gets brought up? What's the first thing that you think of? I just think like icon. I think oh, like nice word. Icon. I think um, innovator. You know, innovator filmmaker. Like, what do you think? 
Well, I've watched so many documentaries. I've seen a handful. I, I, I shamefully I haven't seen all of his filmography because there's too much. <laughs> like there's so many that I haven't seen. But I don't have an exact word. I just think of either film. I think blockbuster. I think family friendly film. Like he. There's so many good filmmakers. We've talked about Tarantino. We're gonna be talking about Scorsese, uh, Christopher Nolan, Stanley Kubrick. But Steven Spielberg, I think, has the best demographic as a filmmaker. He hits everyone. Old people, young people, adults, uh, fathers, daughters, sisters, everything. He knows how to hit everyone. And you look at his filmography, like, he's hit every genre. He's hit, you know, I mean, he's he's got funny, like, he's got underrated, like, The Terminal. Like, you think of The Terminal, it's at the bottom of so many people's rankings, but it's a good, clever, fun movie. He's he's done it all in fifty years, like going back to the seventies. And he re- he was part of the, the 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 filmmakers that revolutionized uh, the film industry. And because uh, I like, I remember I, I don't know what I was listening to, but it was he started in a day when you signed big contracts. Filmmakers were attached to specific production companies, and you signed picture deals he branched out he was working with paramount he was working with universal he was making his own films he was with coppola he was with uh brian de palma martin scorsese he's in with all of them and the difference with steven spielberg versus all the other names i just mentioned is he just blew up he became huge and like i was saying he's not just a director he helps create opportunities he helps create movies he produced back to the future who framed roger rabbit i already mentioned the goonies i mentioned gremlins he the, the guy's a pioneer in so many ways so to to sum up my answer I, I don't have a word for it he's just film steven spielberg is film if you're studying film you study steven spielberg they go hand in hand and that's just the way it is he he's proved it in spades you said it earlier he's got multiple classic films filmmakers strive to make that one great classic film he has five 10 15 i don't know it depends what you but if you're studying film in in 15 20 30 40 years after he's gone you're gonna go through so many like a whole catalog of film from jaws upwards into the 2000s i mean he's got underrated films that people i think are going to to discuss later on that we don't even that we might not even talk about in this in this episode so that's kind of where i'm at do you have anything else to say i I just rambled there for a bit no it sounds like i mean the way you describe it is kind of like he's like the pop star of filmmaking yeah like he's kind of like the he's like the michael jackson of filmmaking like he just like elevated when everything was stuck in the 70s musically it's like michael jackson came out and was like boom here's the 80s like get used to it here's the new sound and he just took off way ahead of everyone else because, like you said, he's he was able to be relatable in all these different genres, have the Steven Spielberg touch on it, and create blockbusters out of movies that uh, in, otherwise wouldn't have been uh, blockbusters. You know, like a movie about a shark. How many people have tried to do that ever since? You know, Bruce the Shark. <laughs> it's insane. How many people have tried to do a shark movie ever since then and like haven't had nearly the success? Like it's in. He's he's able to take a bit of a genre and just like twisted to a blockbuster like that. It's insane. Yeah. Well, you said it. He, the, the, the thing that I took away from what you just said was the Spielberg touch and, and the movie. I qu- just want to quickly discuss. Cause I think it, it proves our point is poltergeist. Now 
he he uh i don't know if he wrote the story on it he may have but he was very heavily involved in it but con uh based on his contract for et i believe he wasn't able to direct both et and poltergeist they came out the same year but uh toby hooper or may he rest in peace uh directed and i put air quotes around that directed poltergeist but everyone to this day believes that steven spielberg had a heavy hand in the direction of that film and even though he's not credited as it, there are people on the crew that have come out and said that he was there directing. I don't know. I, I wasn't there, obviously. But everyone that watches that movie walks away says, it's got the Spielberg touch. Because as we all know, Toby, Ho Toby Hooper directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It, it Poltergeist doesn't even feel like a Toby Hooper movie. If you took away the credit for directing for Poltergeist and you said, who do you think directed that? I would say nine out of 10 people would say Steven Spielberg because it has it. It has the family element to it. It has the funness to it. It's, it's dark. It's, it's, it's a pretty creepy movie, but it has the Spielberg touch. And that was the first thing I thought of when you said that. So I think he has that like a lot of great filmmakers. Everyone kind of has the touch, but he has it for everyone. Like you talked about it before you're showing your kids, Steven Spielberg movies. That's going to be a common thing. I'm going to show my kids, Steven Spielberg films. I'm going to show my 80 year old grandparent, uh, uh, Steven Spielberg film. He, he, yeah. he's able to touch everyone. And I think that's unique, especially for how long he's done it over his career. He didn't just do it for 10 years. He didn't do it for a couple films. He's done it for 50 years. And, Based on the reviews I'm reading for West Side Story, he did it again. So He's still doing it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have no idea. It's it's hard to um, it's hard to explain. Uh, we're gonna get more into some specific movies. I just want to get it off the hop right away because I they're pretty easy answers. Off the top of your head, objectively, the best five Steven Spielberg movies. Best, not favorite. The five that you think if you were to go to a seminar or something and you had to watch five films that best. Uh, were the best example of Spielberg's greatness in no particular order or in order if you want, what would you say his five best films are? I would say Jaws, um, Jurassic Park. I would say Raiders of the Lost Ark. I would say Catch Me If You Can, just for that classic kind of like, it's like the classic, um, you know, chase film or whatever, like that type of thing, but it's just done to perfection. And I mean, I would probably say Saving Private Ryan after that. So we are f four out of five are the same. I love Catch Me If You Can, but I just bumped it for ET. Mm -hmm. um, I go five Dr or yeah, five Jurassic Park, four Saving Private Ryan, three Jaws, two ET, and one Raiders. I don't have like a Jaws is my favorite, but I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is arguably the closest thing to perfect. I don't think any movie's perfect, but I think in regards to what it was and what it was made to do, music, cinematography, acting, direction, I think it's lightning in a bottle. You know, you had George Lucas doing what George Lucas did best, writing <laughs> a story and not a screenplay. Sorry, George. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, then direct and then directing by Steven Spielberg. So I would put that, I think that's his best yep. film i think if you only had to pick one i think indiana jones just as much as it you think of harrison ford you think of steven spielberg um now of all those films um 
have you seen them multiple times? Like, are, are, is Steven Spielberg on like a Rolodex for you? Like, do you watch his movies constantly? I watch a certain number of his movies constantly. Like, I wouldn't say, like, um, for Indiana Jones, like, I've watched Raiders probably four or five times, but the other ones I maybe have only seen once each, okay. right? Like, so it's, and I would love to watch them more. Like, they are amazing movies. It's just, I don't know, you just kind of, you kind of forget about those those movies sometimes, you know. Maybe you'll, you'll be like, "All right, let's watch all of Indiana Jones." You just watch Raiders again, and then you don't end up watching the other ones. So that's at least that's how it works for me. I would say, like for me, that the two thousands work is the stuff that I actually go back to more. Um, oh, my, Minority Report is one of my favorite um, Spielberg movies. Like that movie to me was so amazing for sci fi, and like you can see some of the stuff that they're they're talking about in that movie, and they're doing. Um, like with the AI and whatnot is like happening now. Right. <laughs> so, so that catch me if you can, the terminal war of the worlds, like that run that he went on right there was pretty incredible to me. And, and I watched and Munich as well. Munich was Munich 2005. Well. And I, I think one of his most underrated films. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at that run up until he unfortunately made another Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> we decided we're not going to talk about Kenan with the crystal skull on this episode. <laughs> it happened. Deal with it. Let's move on. Yeah, and even um, then, Tintin, he came back with a, a pretty good, like, kid's Tintin's movie. Tintin's great! Again. Yeah. Such a good movie. But for me, like, the thing about Spielberg, and we were talking about how he's kind of like a pop star, kind of like how he's able to influence all these different genres and create his own spin on it. Not only does he do that, but he also makes a huge impact with it. Like, I was trying to go through this in my mind, which movies have actually made an impact on me as a person, and three of spielberg's movies i think have done that more than anything and that's saving private ryan because now i'm a big world war ii geek and i love everything world war ii related and i think that was directly from saving private ryan like jurassic park what i was talking about earlier being able to you know bring it back to my son and and for us to have this bond over something it's all from jurassic park and then jaws literally kept me out of the water for like years i wasn't i didn't go in the ocean past my hips you know so like to actually have a tangible impact on my life his movies have done that more than any director in my opinion. Well, okay, so we'll we'll get we'll get deep here for sure. Um so I agree with you with Jaws. I was terrified of the water. I still am to this day. I have a I'm not getting the the full details of a story, but back when I was single uh at a party in Kingston, we a bunch of us went uh skinny dipping and I went in the water and I was talking up this this girl <laughs> and I was terrified and I left. <laughs> like I got out of the water. It was my most pathetic <laughs> moment as a man, but it was because of Steven Spielberg. I couldn't see anything in the water. I, I I'm mm -hmm. like, what the hell is b b beneath me? And I left. And yeah, sorry for mentioning that story, Jamie. But I I was pathetic for for one night. <laughs> and I blamed Steven Spielberg for that. Um, but no, the story I wanted to say. I'm this. I'm not a World War II buff, but um, Saving Private Ryan did the same thing for me. I think what he did with with that film. <clears throat> for sure, for for lots, not even just from filmmaking standpoints, but how it made people react. World War II veterans had to leave the theater because it was so realistic. That is insane how you can uh, you can accomplish that on film. But for me, it always goes back to E.T. because I always feel like I'm not a perfect person, but I've always had this. Um, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but something about accepting other people for, you know, different types of, I mean, the world's full of different type of people. And I've always had this something inside me 
about treating, you know, treating everyone as equals and we're in this together and everyone's different. And I feel like that comes from E.T. because I remember watching that as a kid. And for some reason, what I took away from that movie was how this little boy, because I was around the same age as Elliot when I used to watch it and how he, he didn't care about who this thing was. It was literally something from, from another planet and he didn't care. They, they loved each other and they helped each other. And I, I don't know. I, I've never really thought about maybe I should sit down with a shrink <laughs> one day, <laughs> but um, no, I just always, I've always been that way. And uh, you know, I'm very accepting for uh, other people. I went, you know, to f- two different versions of film school with people from different backgrounds coming and I did my best to, to try at least and I, I don't know. I just I think that came from E.T. I, I speak very highly of that movie. It's one of my favorites, just because I think he nailed that. And it's so subtle. The best way you 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 can set the problem a lot of movies have nowadays is their messages are they're very preachy. They're right in your face and they're telling you what to do. The best films, and even you could you make the same argument with songs too. The best way to send a message is subtly through subtext. So it goes into your subconscious mind. You don't even know that you're learning something or that you're that you're realizing something. That's the best way to do it. And Spielberg does it so well in so many movies. And E.T. I think is the best example. So that you know that's that's my con- my confession for the day. <laughs> no, I get that too. Like E.T. is never E.T. is never one that I've gone back to. I've maybe only ever watched it once. <laughs> but oh wow, I do I do agree that the messaging in that movie is what makes it so special in terms of like yeah like any everyone else is scared of this creature and this kid just takes it upon himself to yeah. you know take him take him in and lift him up and get him back home. So like, what's a better message than that? Well, think about the ending. Think about the ending of the movie, how like the, like the symbolism and everything in it. All the adults are surrounding the kids. It's the three kids saying goodbye to E.T. And all the adults are just watching in awe and like, wow. And they don't say anything. There's no dialogue, there's no cheesy like, oh, he, what he did was the right thing. He did, we should accept people for who they are. Like, it wasn't cheesy. It was so well done. They're just watching. The mom, the keys, uh, Peter Coyote's character. Wow. Look at these kids. They're like, it's phenomenal. Spielberg is, and again, he doesn't write. He's not a, like, he wrote Close Encounters. I think he did a couple story credit. I think AI, uh, when he got it passed over from Kubrick, I think he had a little bit of dabbling with the script, but he doesn't, he barely writes. He's just a visionary. He knows how to adapt um, a really well-made, uh, well-written screenplay and put it on the screen for, like, like we've talked about, and we're going to keep going over and over <laughs> again, but, um, E.T. is just one of many examples, just one that hit home for me. For some reason, my most nostalgic Spielberg movies are E.T. and Jaws, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is really weird. I wish I grew up with Jurassic Park. I would have loved it as a kid. Like, I watched it as a kid. But it was probably six or seven or eight or nine. I was a little bit like if I would have watched that when I was three, four or five, oh my god, I would have been obsessed. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm yeah. still obsessed. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned post two thousand Spielberg, which a lot of people don't talk about, but there's a lot of good stuff. You listed off a bunch. He did Catch Me If You Can and Minority Report in the same freaking year. I don't know how the heck he he did that. He's done that a few times. He's had two like Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. Same year, like it, like it, it's ridiculous. Um, 
and you mentioned Tintin. I loved the adventures of Tintin. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it was a few years after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm like, this should have been Indiana Jones. Like, like what, what? where did you go wrong with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? <clears throat> George Lucas. But anyways, um, he, he uh, BFG, he started getting into the bio, biographical films, Lincoln, The Post. All these movies, even though you might not rewatch them as much, they're really well made. I've only seen Lincoln once. It's a beautifully made film. Just a little slow. Great performance, obviously. Daniel Day-Lewis is phenomenal. But he's still making really good movies. And he's adapting with technology, with new advancements in the film industry. He's just evolving. And I think it's proof that what's in his brain is all you need. The rest you can learn. You can learn new cameras. You can learn new tricks. You can learn all this stuff. But you can't. You can't take away his brain. He knows how to compose a scene. He knows how to direct actors and child actors, which is ridiculous. He's one of the best directors for for child actors. Um, but I'm rambling again. So do you have anything to say, Eagle? Yeah, I mean, we're all, we've been all positive for sure. I would say, like, if anyone has a little bit of uh, reservation about his latest movies, like, would you agree with this that in from the '70s up until like the mid 2000s he was a visionary right like he he was uh, one step ahead of everyone just constantly doing things that are new and like constantly innovating well i think that lately he's been able to pull off great movies but he's not doing anything necessarily new necessarily like i agree yeah like nothing different that sets those movies apart and makes everyone go oh man this is a ridiculous. west side story is brand new it's totally original <laughs> <laughs> I no, mean, <laughs> I, t- I totally agree. I mean, yeah. He's getting older. Like, I mean, you couldn't – like, the closest thing in many ways, not the exact same, but James Cameron's one that comes to mind where every movie he pushed something forward, you know, uh, first Terminator, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Aliens. The Abyss, I think, Terminator 2, Titanic, Avatar, every movie put – but those are every 10 years. Like, he, he doesn't make movies very often. So Spielberg couldn't keep that run up forever. I think he got older. He got like there. It's 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 a known fact that because of the uh, response to Temple of Doom mm-hmm. in 1984, I believe, uh, he changed a little bit as a director. He didn't want to go dark anymore. He felt that movie was way too dark. Like there's child slavery in the movie. Like he went balls to the walls in that, and it was great. But since Temple of Doom, he's gotten a little more tame i would say he followed it i believe with the color purple um empire of the sun and obviously last crusade and and so on i know he did schindler's list obviously that was a schindler's list isn't dark no no no, i know i know (laughs) yes it's the one of the darkest moments in the history of mankind but um uh yeah he he did change i think with temple of doom because i think he experimented a lot from Jaws to Temple of Doom, and then I think Schindler's List it doesn't really count because it's a personal story for him. He is Jewish, and that was a personal project for him. So obviously, he wanted to tell it exactly true. And and mm. talk about Schindler's List, which we haven't mentioned. I've only seen it once. I don't know about you. What are your thoughts on Schindler's List? Like, do you, I, it's too heavy of a movie to 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 rewatch. I don't want to. I agree. I don't want to watch it. Like it's good. If it, it's hard to say, but I don't want to watch it because it, he he did such a good job. Like Saving Private Ryan, World War Two, a lot of death. I get it, but it has the rewatch value because it goes beyond. It still has Hollywood in it. Schindler's List doesn't feel like a Hollywood movie. It feels like a total, like 
this like kind of like a, a not Dunkirk, but like it's not following your traditional story structure of a, a Hollywood film. It's just this is what happened. It's terrible, and I'm gonna take you on this adventure and show you what these people experienced. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's almost like a documentary or something like yes. that. Like it, yeah. if you watch a really dark documentary, like you don't want to go back to that and be like, "Oh, let's get the popcorn out for this." You know, it's like, yeah. no, it's <laughs> it, you watch it and you're like, "Holy crap!" He did an amazing job. Like all the actors are ridiculous. In oh it, my obviously. god, Ralph Fiennes is fantastic Fiennes, yeah. in that movie. Like it's it pulls off exactly what it wants to do and it just like punches you in the mouth and then you go like i don't want to get punched in the mouth again so i agree like i've i think i've only watched it once but i mean and every time i'm like i want to go back and watch this i'm like i don't know if tonight's the night i don't know if this is the night when i want (laughs) to you almost feel bad you almost feel (laughs) bad like uh, i don't know um, quickly on that, I just want to get your thoughts because this is where uh, it, it Spielberg maybe I don't know if divisive is the right word, but a lot of filmmakers believe you got to be one project from the pre-production through production to post-production and you're done. Everyone like uh, Christopher Nolan, Tarantino, they're only working on one movie at a time. Kubrick, another great example. Steven Spielberg is in Poland filming Schindler's List, and at night he's having video chats editing Jurassic Park (laughs) and to some people it's like oh like that's where Steven Spielberg maybe becomes more than a human being he becomes a product he becomes something more than himself where he like I'm not saying it's a bad thing but how the hell can you spend the day filming a movie about the holocaust and then go home and consult a bunch of editors editing a movie about dinosaurs (laughs) like it's incredible, and I, I tap my hat to him to be able to do that, but a lot of people would be critical of that, saying, well, is he putting his 100% heart and soul into it? Yeah, no, I don't know how he could possibly do that. I feel like, imagine if Steven Spielberg was in charge of, like, Disney or something, or, like, a huge company. Like, he could be, like, Elon Musk if he just got into the business world. <laughs> like, being able to manage all these projects at once, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, he's on the right, you know, level of, of Elon Musk. He's worth over a billion dollars. Like, that, I mean, that that's the big difference where, I mean, James Cameron isn't worth over a billion dollars. Chris, Christopher Nolan's not worth over a billion dollars. Stanley Kubrick for sure was not worth over a billion dollars. And these are the filmmakers that he's compared to Martin Scorsese. So I I guess I don't really have a question plan, but why is he like, he just seems like a level above, even though these other filmmakers are great, but he just, like I, I said it before, he's like a product. Like he's, 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 he's bigger than a human being mm-hmm. and i don't know quite what it is like is it because he produces a lot is it because his name goes on almost every other movie that comes out in the summer just an executive like having an executive producer steven spielberg credit on your movie is like no one cares if you see executive producer christopher nolan or martin scorsese like some people might like diehard fans will but everyone knows steven spielberg so i, I don't know i don't know quite what it is and i don't know if you have something to say about that but he's almost not human and yet i mean yeah go 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 ahead maybe he's like a workaholic you know like a super workaholic and i don't think like you were were talking about james cameron doing a movie every 10 years like i think james cameron's a bit of a perfectionist i don't think spielberg's a perfectionist but obviously he wants to get the best possible product which he always gets and 
yeah, I think he's just a workaholic where he can constantly put things out and like as soon as it's done he's like all right what's the next thing you know i i see a lot of musicians like that too where they're like as soon as i put this out they're like oh what's next you know what's the next single where's it going to come from um so i think that he's and also obviously because he's spielberg everyone's coming to him down the pipeline with a million scripts so he's able to you know go through these and find the best possible you know, needle in a haystack. Um, <laughs> Going through a thousand scripts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone's doing it for him, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's able to, he's able to have first choice on everything. Oh my, he's guaranteed. had that since Jaws, <laughs> since the exactly. 70s. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's very weird to look back. Like, it, it almost doesn't seem possible. Like we said it earlier in the episode, like every sport, everything has, has the name. You know, you think of the NBA, you probably think of Michael Jordan. There's debate between LeBron and Michael Jordan, but you think Michael Jordan. You think golf, you think Tiger Woods. You think hockey, you think Wayne Gretzky. You think film, I, I, uh, there might be some other differing opinions, but I think you got to think Steven Spielberg for mm-hmm. many, many different reasons. I think... And I, I don't know. I just think his story, like, again, I know we said we weren't going to talk about Jaws, but just just the whole story of him making Jaws and his career, too. Like, we're talking back in the day. I was actually researching here. So he, Sid Scheinberg is, is, the, is the gentleman that basically discovered him. And he just, he, I think he snuck on to the Universal set um, or the studio and he was just walking around. He pretended to be, to be working. And eventually, Sid Scheinberg saw his short film Amblin and signed him to a seven-year contract, <laughs> and it was just him, just freak luck. And then he, you know, he had all these short films and like that, and that would never happen today, like unless you get so, like Justin Bieber on YouTube. But um, and then he he gets a bunch of t- like he he works in TV, does some TV shows, he does some TV movies, Duel, which is a really good movie, and then he does Sugarland Express, and then he's given Jaws. And he's younger than us right now. Just think about that. He is younger than you and I. And mm-hmm. he's given the script to Jaws. And he goes to, we all know the story. He goes to uh, Martha's Vineyard and just problem after problem after problem. But he overcomes it. Like, I don't think he's ever had a worse production than Jaws. Everything has gotten easier for him since Jaws. And he just continued to push it out. But what he did with the adversity he dealt with in Jaws, I think, proved that he knows what he's doing. He just, he, it's like there's a film is just in his brain. And that's what a lot of people said early on. He just knew how to block. He knew how to compose shots. He knew how to tell stories. And that's where it's like, you're just born with it. You can, you can perfect your craft. You can get better at things, but you got to also have it. And I think he just, he was born a filmmaker and he just knows how to do it. I don't know where I was going with that exactly. Do you have anything (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I think that every other filmmaker of that time would have messed up Jaws, right? Every, like based yeah. on, <laughs> based on the production and everything. I, I think that they all saw that, and that's why it was like, all right, this guy is next level above all of us, and like, and all right, he gets first first take on everything <laughs> uh, because he was able to handle that and come out with a masterpiece on the other end. Like it's it's insane, kind of like. Obviously, it's not as big of a level, but Coppola with Apocalypse Now, right? Like, yeah, almost any other director would have messed that up at that point. The amount of delays that they went through and stuff, and like Apocalypse Now isn't a perfect film, but I mean, for what it could have been, it's pretty on point. 
But I'll I'll go a step further, which I think raises Spielberg just a little bit over Coppola is Coppola at least directed some movies before Apocalypse Now. <laughs> like he did make The Godfather and Godfather <laughs> Part Two, so he did probably pick up some tricks and stuff. Spielberg had nothing. Like yeah. what kind of industry experience did he have? TV shows <laughs> and dealing with the production issues and dealing with Robert Shaw and. Like, that blows... Not to knock Apocalypse Now, I've watched a documentary. I know how unbelievable that production was. But Spielberg... like That would be like me. Go Like, I have film school experience. I have an, a, an idea and understanding of a film set. If I was... I would die. I would have... I would have died from anxiety on that set of Jaws. And for some reason, he just somehow did it. And then, obviously, the rest is history. Uh, we've been gloating a lot about Spielberg. I got one question. I'm just curious... Do you have a least favorite Spielberg movie? Is there a movie that you think is maybe a little overrated? Is there a movie you just never really, you know? Hmm. Um, I think so. It's okay movies... to talk about ne- it's it's okay to talk negative about Spielberg. It's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets <laughs> enough hype. Like he's fine. He's gonna hear <laughs> but in terms of the ones I've actually seen, like I haven't seen every Spielberg movie. It's just like yeah. you, obviously, like, there's so many, but. Lincoln was definitely a little bit of a letdown for me. I was so okay. hyped for it because I was huge in Daniel Day-Lewis at that point. You know, I, I loved all the movies he did before that. Um, you know, There Will Be Blood and Gangs of New York and stuff like that. So then when that one came out, I was hyped. I was like, man, he stays in the 1800s and he kills it. And then didn't kill it so much with Lincoln in my opinion. So that's okay. probably my least favorite. How about you? Uh, so again, I, I, there's no point of talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Everyone, uh, I think it's proven that not all people like it. Um, I got a wild card one here that I, I've never, I, I know it's good, but I, I, I don't necessarily like it. I don't rewatch it. I rewatched it once a few years ago. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hmm. It's classic. You think about that movie when you think about Spielberg for sure. I know I'm probably in the minority, but I I just can't glom onto that movie. I, I don't know what it is. The ending is great. The actual effect of the of the spaceship and the like the 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 design of the aliens and all that like, phenomenal. Looks great. Richard Dreyfuss's performance though and stuff like I just I, I don't. It's I don't know what it is. I, I just I never liked close guy i remember one time jamie said to me uh we should what what uh, why haven't we watched this movie because again i show our movies every freaking day um but she's like why have we never watched close encounters i think uh, isn't it great and i and i hesitated i'm like "Uh," (laughs) and i'm like that right there i'm like there's just something about that movie that i just i can appreciate it but i just don't and and speaking of Richard Dreyfus, he did another movie with John Goodman and Richard Dreyfus called Always mm. in the late '80s that I did not like. I thought it was really weird for a Spielberg movie. Um, and Bridge of Spies, mm. I didn't. Now, now to be fair, I'm a little biased. Mark Rylance went on to beat Sylvester Stallone for an Academy Award, <laughs> so I'm probably a little biased. And Mark Rylance was really good in it. I will admit that. But just give it to Stallone. Fuck. But um, I didn't love Bridge of Spies. I thought, same as Lincoln. It's in about the same category. I liked it. I didn't love it. A little dry. But the performances make it watchable for me. Watching Daniel Day-Lewis is not a chore. And watching Tom Hanks is 
is always great. So though the performances really bump those movies up for me, but yeah, not, you know, not, a yeah, those would be the ones I'd think of. But again, all of them I know are good. Yeah. I don't like outside of kingdom of the crystal skull, which I think isn't even all that bad. There's a lot of bad in kingdom of the crystal skull, but there is some genius in it. Um, like I don't really know of a bad Steven Spielberg movie. Like that's really bad. I can't really think of one. Maybe I haven't seen it, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, that those, those are the ones I think. I just wanted to go on record uh, with my controversial Close Encounters <laughs> uh, decision. But yeah, have you have you ever seen Close Encounters? Yeah, I've seen it. I think again yeah. just one time, uh, way back in yeah. the day. And I'm sure he was still feeling some PTSD from the Jaws production. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is like. The, the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan is probably just his like mind when he was thinking about the production of Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I know Saving Private Ryan's up there for you. Talk to me a little bit about uh, your experience with that movie when you saw it the first time. Because in many ways, it does have a few moments of Spielberg in it. But it's also kind of, I wouldn't say it's the black sheep. But it kind of stands out a little bit for Spielberg. I don't really mm-hmm. quite know why it does have the moment. Tom Hanks is a great moment when we finally learn about him, which I love. It's my favorite scene in the movie. But do you agree? Does it stand out a little bit for you, or do you see do you, do you see Spielberg written all over it? No, I think that he was able to adapt the story that like couldn't really be positive. And was able to create as much positivity from it as he could. So in that sense, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah, in that sense, it was pretty like you know classic Spielberg. But no, I think that he did an amazing job, like with the realism. Like there's there's been a million war movies, and a lot of them haven't been able to capture the realism from everything from using like actual German tanks or at least like half thrown together German tanks from that time period. Uh, you know, the weaponry and everything like that is on point. The, and the scenes where you are like just feeling for the guys like it's it's insane we just watched it the other night my, my wife and i and she burst out tearing and right in the middle or burst out crying right in the middle of the movie when uh rabisi dies and he's just going mama right like that's a perfect scene and for me like every time i watch it i have to cry my obligatory man tears at the end when uh with <laughs> and it's partly tom hanks performance like he's insane in that movie but what at the end when he tells uh matt damon to earn this while he's dying on the bridge it's like man the like moments like that i think a lot of directors would have just been like all right he's just gonna say earn this and we'll move on or whatever but like no they really just like they he he drug dragged that one out to the point where it was like oh yeah you you understand the emotion of the scene right so things like that and the actual like battle scenes in it are amazing and then following that with band of brothers producing band of brothers and the Pacific, like he was able to just nail that time period better than anyone ever has. Yeah. Saving private Ryan. Obviously a lot of people think of the openings. It's not technically the opening scene, but the storming the beaches in Normandy Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. Like it's right when they open the, the, the door when they're in the water and they, then the free fire just comes right out. Mm -hmm. It, I, I, again, I, I've never experienced war, but I'm like, I can't imagine anything better showcasing that. Yeah. Um, the, the practical effects are phenomenal in it. Like you get limbs being blown. Like like one guy's face is blown up. Like it's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, what draws me into saving private Ryan and it's, it's, it's a surrounds Tom Hanks, but 
what he does with the characters. They're all they're they're all a mystery and he plays into that in the in the script and the story where they're even playing the game where they're trying to guess what Tom Hanks's uh, backstory is and you get to know these characters in this moment. You don't get all their backstories. It, you just know them here for what they're doing and what they're like and how they react to situations. Then you have the which I already said is my favorite scene. The brilliant moment when they're fighting and they're debating over uh, I think they're about uh, either letting the one guy walk i think or kill him or whatever mm -hmm. and then they're fighting over ryan and all this stuff and there's all this uh, a big feud and like a division between the the team and then tom hanks just how he could have won an academy award for this sequence but he, he gives them his backstory about being a teacher and basically it leads to him saying i don't give a shit about ryan ryan means nothing to me i just whatever gets me home and that I believe, and I've never spoke to any veterans, I've never, I, I, I'm just totally spitballing here, but I feel like that would be the common thought on every single person that sa sacrificed, just not even if they died or lived, but just their life, about going over there, their time, and they just want to come home. Yeah. They don't care about it. And, and I, I just, that hit home for me where I'm like, that's the Spielberg, that's... You know, a lot of filmmakers wouldn't have that. And it's a beautiful shot. It's like a one-take dollying in towards him. And I love it. Where it's just like, Ryan is irrelevant to the... I mean, even though the movie's called Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> um, it's 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 just a beautiful scene. And that those are the scenes. That, and like you said, the all the deaths are sad. And we don't know these people at all. But like you said, when the medic was dying and he's trying to tell them how to fix him, but they can and he's dying. Like, it's so... The scene when they're... Um, going through the, uh, what are they called? The, the things around your neck. What are they called? Oh, the dog tags. Yep. Yes. When they're going through looking for yeah. it and then the people are walking by staring and yeah. it's, it's like, uh, insulting to be doing that. And then he actually comes over and stops them. It's just those moments. Mm -hmm. And then you surround it around amazing, amazing action scenes like groundbreaking. And there's one at the beginning that's phenomenal there's one in the middle and there's one at the end like it's a good structure it's not overblown it's not just all action because obviously they didn't have the money to do that but everyone thinks of the opening uh the, the first action scene the ending is so good so good yeah like between those two scenes they like they just depict the horrors of war like perfectly between the yeah. two scenes right um it's like and the opening scene to me still is like the most intense thing i've ever seen on film and it's 20 years on now, and it still looks ridiculous because of the practical effects. Like, Better than over half of what we could get now. <laughs> I don't even know, like, from a logistical standpoint, how no one died, like, doing that. You know, like, how, like, <laughs> he's that good of a director that no one died trying to make that scene happen. Yeah. With all the explosions happening around them and stuff like that, it's insane. Oh, yeah, and, the, like, the nice thing about it, too, is we know thousands of extras were there. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, like, it's not full of CGI, like... Every, like Spielberg was obviously he would have had help, but he's directing all of this. Everything you see on the camera is I, I, I don't know if this is true, but I remember reading. I don't know if he storyboarded the the beach scene. I think I remember reading that he didn't mm -hmm. storyboard it and he just he started at the water and they just as a team worked their way up the beach. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. Don't quote me on that. But I think I remember hearing about something along those lines that it was very, not improv, but they were just kind of, you know, working with the atmosphere and the environment around them. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's, it's phenomenal. If he did that, then that's like 
brilliant because you're basically seeing it from the standpoint of the soldier who has no idea what he's getting himself into. It's like yeah. he, he knows he's got to storm this beach. And as the audience member, you feel that. Like when the camera goes into the water and you feel it going under and coming up and going under and coming up and like the breathing and like the, the audio shift between those points. Like it's you feel like you're in it, like you're you're right there. Um, it's as intense as like an intense scene could ever be. And then, yeah, the ending is perfect, too. Like, how are you going to face all these tanks? you got no anti-tank capabilities other than a few bazookas. Like, you got to figure out what you're going to do. And then the scene where, like, the, the planes save them and stuff like that, it's like, man, it's just it's World War II on, like, the perfect level for film. Yeah, and when, no, it's... When, and no. Tom Hanks, angels on our shoulders. It's like this guy's literally dying right there, and he's like, he's like, angels, we're looking out for us today. <laughs> That's crazy. So the, the mentality that these guys had was ridiculous. Yeah. And um, just to end Saving Private Ryan, I know you've seen a lot of war movies. Is Saving Private Ryan your favorite war film? Yeah. And it's like, it's the best war film. Like, no one can ever tell you any difference. So. Oh, well, uh, yeah. no, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Black Hawk Down is pretty good, too. Black Hawk Down is very good. but And it came a few years after Saving Private Ryan, if I'm correct. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah, I think okay. it came yeah. out just two years after, 2000. Okay. Um, yeah, well, that's what I mean. You have a lot of Spielberg, and this is true for other filmmakers, I know that, but we're talking about Spielberg. Um, a lot of... Spielberg would make a movie and then the next few years after that you have other people trying to replicate that I don't want to say ripoffs but I feel like you have, I mean once Indiana Jones came out how many action movies do you think came out <laughs> Romancing the Stone just came to the top of my head a couple of years after Jaws Jaws 2 any creature feature with I mean Piranha, I, th- I don't know when Piranha came out, but you, you try to replicate it. Saving Private Ryan. How many war films came out uh, between 1998 and like 2004? I don't have the f- numbers, but I bet you a lot came out. Trying to be the next Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Trying to be the next Jaws. The next Raiders. Um, E.T., I'm sure early 80s you had lo- uh, Gremlins. Uh, I mean, that, that's just what he paves the way. He does it amazing, and then the bar's too high, and then no one can pass it and he has it's very similar to Kubrick in a sense where Kubrick did that a lot too you have 2001 um you have Full Metal Jacket uh The Shining I think there's a a lot of people debate Kubrick and Spielberg because they have different styles for sure but they both make I mean Spielberg is definitely Mm -hmm. the box office Kubrick's movies didn't make a lot of money um they didn't have a huge audience but they were well received and very popular especially later on so my I, that's actually actually a really good segue so Kubrick's obviously he passed away and he's been gone for 20 years or something and I think his films especially now a lot of people are going back and re-watching and revisiting everyone's dissecting the shining and dissecting all these movies um do you think what what do you think it's going to be like post Spielberg uh when he unfortunately leaves us do you think his films because they can't get any bigger <laughs> you, you can't appreciate them anymore but the question is can you mm-hmm. like will people start diving into his unknown movies will people start i mean can, can he get I mean, my overall question is after he's gone when his legacy peaks and can he become any bigger 
can he or has he already plateaued? See, I don't know if you could say that he could get bigger, but I think what could happen is new generations discover him more than yeah. they maybe would have. Like right now, we're in a, a point where it's like, all right, Spielberg has done this, he's done this, like the latest movies, right? We're just kind of like, all right, we're a little bit done with Spielberg, but oh, it sounds like West Side Story is great. Um, but when he's gone, and then we're sitting there with this discography, just like we did with like let's say the Beatles when they broke up, or Michael Jackson when he died, or whatever. Ah, good point. You'll go back, yeah, and you'll go back and you'll go through everything, and you'll be like, all right, what? And you'll want to see the documentaries on how it was made, right? Like you'll want to start getting like the behind the scenes stuff even more, because it's such a special like time capsule of filmmaking, right? Like right now we're in the time capsule, so we don't feel it, but when he's gone. We'll take that time capsule and we'll want to just dissect everything about it. And new generations will get into it. And I think there will be tons of remakes in the future of Spielberg movies, which I'm not looking <laughs> oh, <no>. forward to. <laughs> but, Do you know what I just thought of, Eagle? When you said that, I'm going there with this, and I'm I, you'll know what I'm laying down here. Do you know what? Do you know what Steven Spielberg is right now? What is he? He's Tom Brady. <laughs> Yeah. Tom Brady is has already cemented himself as the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, you can debate as much as you want, but he's still playing at a high level mm-hmm. and people are sick of him. Like the the Bucks right now are going to make the playoffs. They may go back to the Super Bowl. They may win. Yep. Again. Yep. Steven Spielberg has West Side Story getting amazing reviews. Again. He's totally Tom Brady. And we will not appreciate Tom Brady, uh, especially all of us football fans now who are sick of him, unless you're a Bucks fan or a, used to be a Patriots fan. Mm-hmm. You won't appreciate him and, and, until he's gone. It's, uh, not Tom Brady's not going to die, but when he retires. Yeah. And give it five, ten years, we're going to be looking back and, wow, Tom Brady, that career, holy crap, it was long and it was successful. And he had multiple primes. Spielberg at least had two primes, maybe three. I mean, you can make the argument 70s uh, or the 80s and 90s, no question. But you could say he had a prime in the 2000s when you catch me if you can, Minority Report, uh, Munich, War of the Worlds. Um, but that, I just thought of that as you were saying that. He's totally – because Tom Brady drives me crazy. Spielberg doesn't drive me crazy. But I think the overall point is you near the end, you might not continue to appreciate and maybe get a little sick of it like another steven spielberg movie but give it five ten years after he's retired or gone Mm -hmm. you're gonna look i think that's just human nature i think we do that like you said the beatles are the perfect example now they were short-lived but you can make the argument that uh the beatles are bigger now than or post them being together than when they were together yeah and you look at like the last dance right the documentary on michael jordan oh god another great example right (laughs) yeah where like everyone Everyone, like, towards the end of Jordan's career, everyone was clowning him because he was on the Wizards and whatnot, right? And it was like, he wasn't great. He wasn't going to win anything anymore. But now this documentary comes out, and it's like, oh, we forgot how amazing Michael Jordan was. He and changed Tom the game. Brady's doing the same thing. Tom Brady's doing the same thing right now with uh, Man in the Arena, but he's doing it while he's still playing. So it's like, people are still more sick of it. Yeah. If he would have come out with this documentary, like, 10 years from now, it would have changed the game again. And so if we get the same thing for a Spielberg where it's like, Oh, remember how amazing these movies were? Like it's going to be Spielberg movies are going to be back in the theater. And it's, I mean, that's what they're going to start doing. Like um, the biggest paid artists right now in music are the legacy artists. Yeah. Like Bob Dylan just signed some ridiculous contract, like things like that. Um, I think the future of movie theaters is going to be replaying old blockbusters. Oh, that's interesting. I've had that same thought. (laughs) 
yeah, Spielberg's going to be like the number one on that list. You know, like, all right, now playing double feature of Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's instant money, right? Like, the um, I think things like that, like Spielberg and guys, I mean, he's the number one, but other guys who we've mentioned in this podcast, um, their movies are going to be the number one at the box office, isn't it? Box office again in the future, I think. So we've talked about this on the podcast before, and this is a good way to wrap everything up. Um, I think I presented it as a question. I don't know if it was a question or not, but what in, if you were Steven Spielberg or just in uh, in the situation he is, is in, would you rather him retire and live out the rest of his life and we don't hear from him anymore and then he'll eventually pass on? Or would you rather him make movies until he's gone? Because you have Clint Eastwood, who's in his 90s, still directing, has no signs of stopping. <laughs> what? Because I'm I I'm a completist. I like endings. I like farewells. I like it's like Indiana Jones is a prime example. Last Crusade ended so well, riding off to the sunset, and then you bring it back, and then you bring it back again for a fifth movie that's about to come out. I like endings. I like things being complete because it gives purpose to the entire journey that you went on. I don't want things to continue. So I look at Spielberg. I'm like. I would love the idea. We talked about this with Tarantino, I think. The 10th and final Tarantino movie. Can you imagine marketing the final Steven Spielberg movie? Like kind of like Daniel Day-Lewis when he announced for Phantom Thread that it was his last movie. I like that. That's where I would side. I would love for him to retire and then whatever, but he like he said he might not want to. He might work until he's dead i don't know but anyways what are your thoughts what where do you lean in in that scenario of of ending or continue until you know you're done i think it just depends on the person right like a person like tarantino who said he's gonna do 10 movies like yeah end it on 10 have your legacy like he doesn't put out a movie that often every few years he puts out one versus spielberg has just constantly been doing it and it's not like he's already diluted his filmography it's not like every movie is like brilliant or whatever like he doesn't he doesn't follow like um what's a good example like uh what's his name the shining kubrick uh kubrick like kubrick right like every movie kubrick did was like boom this is a huge event this is like his thing that he's been working on for years like spielberg doesn't do that i mean you've talked about the amount of executive producing that he's done and every movie like he he's puts out sometimes two movies in a year or whatever right so for him for him i think that his legacy is more about like being the workaholic just constantly producing stuff and it's always good so if he can continue doing that until he dies i think that's totally fine like the rolling stones are still around (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if they should be but they're still together um you know i think that for spielberg it's totally fine for him to just keep going until he doesn't want to anymore and obviously he's cut it back a bit but yeah. Yeah. Versus now, like, now being seventy-five years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> versus, like, I think James Cameron should be like, "This is the last James Cameron movie." Whenever he decides on that, and that's it, he's done. Yeah, it, it it's totally me too. I'm totally like that. Anyone that knows me knows. Like, I look at like Tom Brady. We talked about him. I I I wanted him to retire after a few of his last Super Bowls. I like the idea of going out on a high note. And mm-hmm. rap like I, I, that's just me. Like I understand a lot of people don't want to do that, and, and some people can't stop working. I just love the perfect ending. My, the best things about all the movies that I love are just the nice wrapped up endings that are perfect, and maybe a little bit of uh, like 
being um, ambiguous a little bit. Like, not every question has to be answered, but I would just like the idea that, and I think think that'd be interesting to see the the final Spielberg movie. But you totally nailed in the head. You're totally right. It doesn't fit his mo. That's not a Steven Spielberg thing to do. It's not a Scorsese thing to do. It's not a Clint Eastwood thing to do. It's definitely a. I could see Christopher Nolan doing it because he yeah. follows more of a Kubrick path than than Spielberg did. Um, so I have one final question to end it. Do you have anything else that you want to say while you have the mic about our boy Spielberg? No, I'd just like to say happy birthday, Spielberg, and uh, thank you for. <laughs> we know him, by the way, too. He's going to be listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for giving me such amazing movies to just go through my whole life and give me inspiration. And I think that of any director, like we've talked about Tarantino and Scorsese and whoever else, Christopher Nolan, like they make great stuff, but truly the legacy of Spielberg is going to have the biggest impact on, on me. So I just, I thank him for that, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm in the same camp as you. I, I think it's an incredible career and, we are we are one and two of many of people that he has inspired for decades. All I think about are the kids and stuff that we're seeing his movies in the theaters before we were even born and how like the generations before us. So I totally agree with you. Um, so in true Adam fashion, we have to end with a ranking of some sort. So uh, I've already said my top three on this podcast. So I'm going to quickly do my top five and then I want to end with yours. So... Um, to fill out my top five, uh, number five, where did, where did I put it here? Number five is Catch Me If You Can. Uh, number four is Jurassic Park. And then my top three, which I've already mentioned, Saving Private Ryan at three, uh, E.T. at two, and Sitting Comfortably Forever at number one will be Jaws. Take us home, Jake. All right, so here's my top five Steven Spielberg movies. For me, number five is War of the Worlds. I freaking love War of the Worlds, and... To me, it's like just a perfect invasion movie, a amazing sci-fi movie. Like, again, Spielberg nails it with the family elements of that movie. So, that's my number five. Number four is Minority Report. Once again, like I mentioned earlier, the the AI capabilities and things like that. The story in it is awesome, um, and I think that it's just perfectly shot as well. For number three, it's going to be The Lost World Jurassic Park. <laughs> which I just oh. absolutely love that movie. Uh, I go back to it even more than the original, but saying that my number two is Jurassic Park. So two of my top three are Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, obviously you can see how much of an impact that's made on me. I think that uh, the reason I love number two is like, they're able to increase the action in it and also give, like, Dr. Malcolm a lot more screen time. And I think his character is the best of the series. So I love that movie. I love both of those. And my number one Spielberg movie that shouldn't really be a surprise is Saving Private Ryan. So we've already said so much about that. It's the best. Let's talk about movie. it some more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's my top five right there. Right on. Yeah. Uh, just before we end minority report, uh, we didn't really talk about, I love it. I think again, I, I think there's a lot of underrated two thousands, uh, Spielberg movies for sure. And minority report is definitely one of them. And, uh, war of the worlds. I, I love too as well. I think, I don't know why people, more people don't talk about it. Tom Cruise is phenomenal. I love his character. It has the father dynamic in it, which is in every Spielberg movie, but I think it's great. Dakota Fanning when she was freaking top of her game, one of the best young child actors uh, out there. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, Lost World, I, I disagree a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of, of the sequel, but I do agree more Jeff Goldblum is never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously Saving Private Ryan is great, and Jurassic Park is phenomenal. So great top five. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jake. Uh, this was a great episode talking some Stevie Spielberg. And uh, the music's probably queuing right now, sending us off on a beautiful high <laughs> note. Um, so thanks for joining, Jake. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Appreciate it. Do you have any? I didn't write down any Spielberg lines then, Don. What do you got? Galloway. Life finds a way. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) I love it. Hey there. Remember that you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other options. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as The Viewer Scott. Bye bye.